You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. We've got some exciting sports coming up in the next few weeks. You got both the Sixers, what, 15 in a row now? 16? 16. 16 in a row. Let's get it right. Let's get the correct <laughs> number here. Largest uh, winning streak heading into the playoffs or postseason ever in yeah. NBA history. So you got that. You got the Fox. Fultz, youngest double. player ever to post a triple double. Yeah, whatever, though. He's bust, right? Got the Flyers. They got blown out last hey, night. We'll take two of three last take night. Take two of three. Sixers, <laughs> what was the score Sixers on that? with a 130 95 win seven, over the Bucks, who wanted nothing. to be the seven seed. Ooh, seven nothing for the Flyers? And yeah. Scott Kingery walk off sack fly after he hit a grand slam earlier. And this he had week. a beautiful uh, outfield assist as well. So yes. doing a little bit of everything. So we'll take two of three last night in sure. Philadelphia. Jake, what's up? We went to the Mets game, National Mets versus Nationals game on uh, Sunday. Mets victorious, yeah, ten, ten and one, ten and one right now, best record in the MLB. And I'm Here just uh, clocking how long this one's going to last. Brandon, you have had your weeks of conversation about. <laughs> I your, wasn't here last. Your week. your strong teams, <laughs> i.e., Philadelphia and their sporting events. So, so the Mets I are going one fifty and twelve. I think we're on pace. Whatever the pace may be, we're doing well right now. All right. Well, you know, this is a good time for different things happening because we've got baseball beginning. And then, of course, we've got NBA playoffs starting on Saturday. And the NHL, we had Eric on last week for the Igloo. And, you know, there's some matchups that are intriguing. You got the Pennsylvania-Philadelphia matchup, Pittsburgh-Philly, Penguins, Flyers. But really the time when the playoffs are starting, so that dead zone of, of the end of March, early April, kind of coming to an end at this point. But on this show, we're going to obviously be talking about those topics, but also about Radiothon. And so for those of you unfamiliar, Radiothon is something that the station does for but it's just over a week every year at this time, you know, end of March, early April, raising money for the station. And, you know, we wanted to start off the show today kind of talking about what this money for that has been raised for the station in the past has been able to do for us as a sports department specifically you just think in the last couple of years, guys, what we've been able to do with the new equipment that we've got, use it up in Maine, use it in New Jersey, New York, use it in South Carolina, Virginia Tech, all of these different games. And just goes to show in the studio as well. Exactly. Exactly. But the likes. impact that, you know, we've seen from generosity of donors, alumni, people affiliated with the station and how that's been able to help us do our part as well. Yeah, absolutely. It all works to give us a great experience while we're, while we're here at the University of Delaware that not that many students, you know, there are other programs similar to us, but not that many have the kind of breadth and uh, depth of different elements to, to what goes on here, not just with what comes over the air live, but with our broadcast all across the East Coast, getting to travel for those events and games. Uh, the mics we're speaking into right now were a new addition last year. We have two new Mac uh, desktops in the studio that we were using for our one-in-one video series earlier this winter that are new additions to help us kind of explore a different foray, um, you know, in, into a more digital base. And then uh, our, our away equipment itself has really shored up what we've been able to do on the road. And that, you know, that's just the monetary stuff. We, we value definitely all the people that have been able to help us um, do what we do here as well. Um, but your support financially also allows us to do what we do. And Teddy, you mentioned the alum. There's been so many notable alumni to graduate from not only UD, but from this yeah. exact... Uh, st- They're holding a spot for us on that hall. Yeah, so, yeah. It, you know, used right and done right, uh, this is really one of the better RSOs in, at the University of Delaware and a great organization, honestly, to be a part of it. Uh, Radiothon is is huge, huge for this uh, 91.3 WVD club. For all of those reasons, we appreciate the listener support, financial support, anything that allows us to do what we do and enjoy what we do, both here in the sports department, in the music department, news department, everything that happens between students and community members. So we'll if, still donate. Yeah. So if you still. are obviously you know interested in, in donating, um, we have our studio line, of course, 302-831-2701, but also at WVUD.org. You can pledge online. We'll be talking about this throughout the show. Pledging online at WVUD.org and calling the studio line at 302-831-2701. You can pay over the phone online. Make, make whatever checks is best out for you. If you call, If you call now, I will personally pick up the phone and I'll give you a shout out on the air. So call right now. I'll pick it up. Ahmed's waiting for your call. You, you will have you go in the newsroom. Uh, I will pick it up and I will give them a shout out on air once the payment is cleared, of course. 
<laughs> Radiothon 2018. <laughs> Our goal is 50. The station's goal 50,000. Where are we at now? We're above 20,000. We're getting cool. there. We've got some work to do. We've got some work to do. Getting there. Have some work to do. But we've picked up in the last couple of days. So It's kind of like the Sixers, you know? Finish? It's Halfway how you finish. through the year. Oh, here we go. Looking like a good team. <laughs> You gotta okay. spread through the finish line. Okay, Brandon, it's now like they, the it, Mets. Now maybe it's how you start. Oh, now they're maybe the the favorites in the Eastern Conference. Maybe, maybe <laughs> they're up there um, because they finished hard through the finish line. Help us, help us be our Markel Fultz. That's that's what you can do for us. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. We're going to talk about the specific matchups yes. here. So we begin on Saturday. I don't want to go day this day this day this day. First of all, the matchup. In the NBA, that disinterests you most in the first round is Ouch. what? Is what? I'll go first. Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks. I don't care for it at all. I think the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, they're seventh, so you can't really say they're overrated. But this whole Giannis Antetokounmpo thing, yeah, he's great, but they don't really have anyone else as a team. They struggle. Uh, Chris Middleton has has flashes of excellence, but that team as a unit, they're playing with an interim interim coach that could go one of those. That series, excuse me, could go one or two ways. And Kyrie without the Celtics, it's a no for me. I'm not interested. I'm gonna go Portland and New Orleans. I'm all for Whoa. Anthony Davis playing ball. I love watching Anthony Davis as much as the next guy here. But without Demarcus Cousins, that team, not that it gets that much worse, but it's no powerhouse with those two down low. I feel like Damian Lillard's gonna have his time to do whatever the heck he wants and we'll see them out of the next out of that round i'm gonna go houston minnesota i think that's a sweep uh, Me too. i, I, think, I, was gonna say I that think houston's well. gonna come in with an edge to the playoffs kind of the way that golden state did in years past where they're gonna steamroll early on i don't think golden state will i think golden state's still in that measured approach until they get everybody back but houston's gonna come through and steamroll minnesota minnesota is a young developing team but they still have some problems to work out they just barely made it into the playoffs. They literally won a game yesterday to get into the playoffs, and they're facing the best team in the NBA record-wise throughout the regular season and maybe the best team in the NBA talent-wise straight out. We'll see. But that, that to me, is going to be one, two, three, four. I'm with you 100%. The most entertaining first-round matchup, in your opinion, is what? I'm going to go first with Sixers, Heat. Not because... You know, it's the most competitive series or whatnot. But I honestly think, bias aside, fandom aside, that this 76ers team is fun to watch. You, you you can't deny that it is a team that is fun to watch, especially since they got Markel Fultz and they bring him off the bench. There's no drop-off between the first and second unit in terms of the energy and the pace that they're playing with right now. Then you start kicking it out to shooters like Marco Bellinelli, who's hitting these one-legged off-a-screen guy in his face, bank threes, and J.J. Redick, who's been hot from everywhere, plus Dario every now and then will throw a highlight reel spin move down the lane or something like that. I really think it's a fun team to watch, and because it's their first series, they're going to be bringing that full intensity to this first round. First series after like six years. Exactly, compared to a team like Golden State or Cleveland who might take a more measured approach. So first round for me, most fun to watch is still going to be Philadelphia against Miami, who in their own right, has played very well against Philly, and Dwayne Wade has made some incredible shots against them in critical moments. So you don't count this team out. They have the veterans in a way that Philadelphia does not. I'm going to go Golden State San Antonio with the asterisk that Steph Curry makes a first-round appearance. He said it it is probably not going to happen, but it is still probable. So if he makes the first-round appearance, that's my exciting series because watching Steph Curry play is an art form. Assuming Steph Curry doesn't play, I'm going to skip down to Oklahoma and Utah just because it probably has one of the, maybe the second most explosive player in Russell Westbrook, and I would love to see him and Donovan Mitchell go at it. Probably the runner-up of the Rookie of the Year candidate voting. That's going to be an exciting series for them. I'll go Cavs and Pacers. I think this is a different Pacers team. You got Miles Turner, Oladipo, Lance Stevenson. Crazy to think that Paul George was just on this team last year. But I think the Cavs, not the same. I keep hearing this talk about playoff LeBron. I want to see it with my own two eyes. I don't think we'll you get... You haven't been watching the past eight years or so? Here's the thing, though. It's called Father Time. I don't think it's caught this up... The, this is the first year he's played 82 games. I don't think he, it's caught up with him, and I don't think it's catch up with him, but he's got the entire team on his back. He doesn't have Kyrie with him. Uh, I, I don't know what's exactly what's going on with Tr- Tristan Thompson, and Kevin Love has been a little shaky, although he is 
Kevin Love, he's got that playoff experience now, and he's a champion. So I think it'll be closer than people think. Would not be surprised if the Cavs won, but the Pacers, don't count them out. Really good team. You said Blazer. Who said Blazers, Pelicans? For my least excited. You said for least. Yeah. I'm actually going to take the argument that I think that's going to be one of the more entertaining ones because I think the Pelicans are, they won five in a row. You know, they made the playoffs. They've taken a step forward this year, and the Blazers... That For that roster, I know it's a good roster, but to get third in the West, you pair those two up. To me, that's got seven written all over it. I think that's going to be really exciting. But also, a lot of these Western, a lot of the West series are also very entertaining, and I could see the Warriors-Spurs one as well. Who's going to get upset? The one, the one team that's on upset alert. Who's on upset alert? Does Boston count? That, I was going to Do you consider I, upset a top four seed losing to a bottom four seed or an upset yeah. that a team that we think should be better uh, te- loses? Technically four to five. Why don't you go outside of Boston because we'd all say that. Is there okay. any, the, the team most on upset, ale- or upset alert outside of Boston? I'm going to say OKC because Utah's coming in hot. Uh, I think it's a competitive series, but I think Utah is the deeper team. And what they've been doing defensively recently if Rudy Gobert played five, ten more games, he's Defensive Player of the Year, no doubt. Uh, and then you add in the explosiveness of Donovan Mitchell. Since he's taken over as the focal point of the offense, this team is is on another level in the second half that their full season record doesn't indicate. So to me, even though it's 4-5, it's close. That's the series where I feel confident in a bottom seed beating a top seed outside of the Boston-Milwaukee where there's obvious injury uh, factors at play. Burning hot take coming in here. I think the Houston Rockets should have hindsight on this Minnesota team. Minnesota has two players who can control the basketball game. Not saying that any other team doesn't, but Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns are very talented basketball players. Pair that up with Ant for with Wiggins. Pair that up with Teague. You have a solid Jamal and ta- Crawford, Taj Gibson. You have They're, these are a veteran lot quality of players. players that yeah. can do it. Do I think Houston needs to be scared? Not necessarily, but they need to make sure that they get the job done because this team can pick out a weakness and can make it happen. Yes, they just slipped into the playoffs, but they do have momentum. I was going to say OKC and Jazz as well, but for for the sake of argument, I'll change it up a little bit. Let's go Portland uh, versus uh, Anthony Davis and the Pelicans. They got Rondo. We've seen Rondo excel in some of his more recent games, especially with the Bulls in the playoffs. Um, They got... Uh, Holiday, they have some good players. Anthony Davis, we've seen, could go off for 40, 15, and 10 on any given day, on any given night. So with that being said, why can't they steal some? Again, I, I, I'm a big um, backcourt fan for the Portland Trailblazers, but game time might run out. It could run out in some games. Don't be surprised if that's a game seven. And when it's game seven, everybody knows it's it's zero zero. There's no such thing as momentum. Yeah, yeah. same thing. I agree with that. I do have one question to ask all of you guys. Who is one player in the playoffs that you are not expecting to s- surpass expectations but and will? Or who is a player who you think is going to do great but will be silenced come playoff time? So what I mean by that is if you think you think James Harden's all, doing all this— One player that will be underrated, one that will be overrated. E- either or. Yeah. Sure. Okay. You want to go first? I'm trying to think of something. I'll take Dwayne Wade. You, oh, okay. you, you uh, think he's going to be better well, than expected or worse than expected? All I'll say is I, ju- I just think people forget that Dwayne Wade is is here. I, I'm not saying <laughs> like that. I'm not saying that that he's That's gonna fair. that he's, he's gonna. Here. I'm not saying that You're he's right. gonna will the Heat to win the series. But I think that as those games go get close down the stretch, you put the ball in a player like Dwayne Wade's hands. You look at the players in the playoffs. Who do you have that's that's been the most proven players down the stretch in the NBA other than Dwayne Wade in the player in the playoffs? And I'm not touching about talking about clutch. You got LeBron, I guess Durant, but Wade is up there. I mean, he's old, but he, Kyrie, yeah, yeah, but Dwayne is old, but but he's there. So if we got a close game between the Sixers and the Heat down the stretch, and Dwayne Wade gets the ball, do that's not be one. surprised if he if he makes some shots in crunch time. Yeah, this one. might be a, a low hanging fruit, but. I'll go with Lowry or DeRozan. Take your pick. One of those guys is going to lay an egg. Oh, I Well, make your pick. Yeah. Pick one. Yeah. Oh, Which one tough. do you think would be? This is tough. I think there's I'll a go, clear pick out of the I'll two. I'll go with Lowry. That's yeah. who I was going to yeah. say. Okay. I, think, I think DeRozan is actually. Uh, number one seed locked up. Egg, yeah. I get it. Home court throughout the Eastern, uh, Eastern playoffs. But I'm going to go with Lowry laying an egg. You think the Wizards can take any of those games? <laughs> Teddy's eyes lit up a little bit. Wait, you, so you're saying there's a chance. Brandon, you're <laughs> one player that will overperform or underperform expectations. Um, 
I'm going to say Draymond Green's going to underperform. Oh, um, that's big. I, I really think that's that big. a lot is going to be on the shoulders of KD and Steph if, when, if or when Steph comes back. I think they're going to be playing in games that are very close defensively. They haven't been playing together recently, so they don't have a lot of continuity going into the playoffs, albeit they've played with each other for a while now. But I think they have some flaws, and I think a lot will be put on just the pure scoring effort in isolation and pick and rolls for KD and Steph. And that's probably still good enough to be title contenders. But to me, Draymond Green in that circumstance takes a big step back in terms of his impact on Golden State and uh, their progress towards the NBA Finals. He's the heart and soul of that team, so I think I don't think people quite understand the magnitude of that pick because Warriors can play without KD. We've seen that they can play without Curry. We've seen that they can't and they can without play Curry. without Clay. We've seen that they they went they with Steph Curry. They were thirty one and ten without Steph Curry in the games he missed. They were seventeen and fourteen. Well, you got to factor in KD missed a few, Clay missed a few. That was those were all the games where everybody played but Curry. Yeah. Uh, Draymond, they're gonna. If Draymond doesn't come, they're gonna struggle. My player to I mean, look out. For, and just to, to add yeah. on to that, think about two years ago when they lost the finals. Momentum shift. What turned completely. around? Game five, Draymond suspended, and that's when Cleveland finally starts figuring things out. Another name to keep in mind is Rudy Gobert on the Utah Jazz. He is most likely going to be the defensive player of the year. I, I wouldn't say that. I, if it, just based based on the number of games he's played, I don't know right, if he'll the, garner the, enough the, votes. The, literally, the first sentence when I read the the first article on who's going to be, it said, "I don't think anyone will ever win with this many games." But if somebody can make a case for it, it'll be Rudy Gobert. Last sure. night, and sure. maybe too. Yeah, sure. there, last night there was a play where he got beat Gobert and ran almost the entire arc and still got the block. He's going to be so important because Stephen Adams has upped every single one of his numbers this year. He's he's made it work. So for Rudy Gobert and this Utah Jazz team, he needs to be the focal point. You have veterans in Ricky Rubio, and you have a rookie in Donovan Mitchell. So here comes Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz. If you're anything like me, you get tired of the same old thing over and over and over again. Isn't that right, Jake? Who doesn't? Do you know anyone who doesn't? I don't. There are some stations on the dial that play the same music in cycles all day long. Driving home from work, you're the same song they played a few times while you were in the office. Not my office. No music there. Silent. But other offices, maybe. The same song that they were playing when your clock radio went off in the morning. And the same song they played just before you went to bed the night before. But at WVD... Are we like that, Jake? We're not like that, We're Brandon. not like that. We're the best. We are. You know why we're the best? Why, Brandon? We play folk music. Do we? We play jazz music. Do we? Rock music. Classical music. You know what we definitely play? We play what? reggae music. We do play reggae music. 8 o'clock after this. Stay tuned. R&B, big band, swing, oldies, bluegrass. We play a lot of that. Gospel, hip-hop, and music there isn't even a word for yet. Like what I'm doing right now. There's nothing another station in Delaware is offering this much variety. And we all know that variety is the spice of life. And I'm sure that you, as a WVD listener, appreciate the spice that WVD brings to your life. You can keep the spice coming by pledging to WVD during Radiothon. Give us a call with your pledge and help strengthen the state's most diverse radio station. Our number here is 302-831-2701. That's 302-831-2701. We're ready to take your call. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. This past weekend, a little bit of golf, some masters, and it wasn't a big name that took it home. It wasn't a Jordan Spieth, a Rory McIlroy, a Phil Mickelson, a Tiger Woods. It was a Patrick Reed for a little more. Brandon. Yeah, so probably safe to say that much of the golf world was, maybe not rooting, but they were getting behind Jordan Spieth, who had... One of the best single-round performances, particularly in the final round of the Masters, in Augusta history. But Reed holds on for the wind as Spieth makes his major push on the fourth day of competition. And the the main critique, if you could call it that, that's come out of the Masters since then, outside the golf course, has been 
the way that this has been handled by golf media and those who cover and follow the sport in that, especially at Augusta, especially on the CBS broadcast, almost always, regardless of who wins, there's a very celebratory tone. It could be a one-shot win at the end of the match, and they find something in that player's past career, personal life, what have you, to focus on as that turning point. You know, there's always stories of the guy who dreamt of winning the Masters at some point in his life, and now finally here he is with the green jacket. Or here's Sergio after how many ever years last year putting on the green jacket. Jordan Spieth, one of the youngest ever to put on the green jacket. And Jim Nance of CBS is in the little clubhouse with all of the other rich white guys, and they're all super happy for the guy who won. And in this tournament with Patrick Reed winning, that wasn't necessarily the case. And that's because Patrick Reed has a checkered past. He's one of the more arrogant players on tour. Um, he's estranged from his family. His parents didn't attend his uh, marriage. I was about to say funeral. We'll see if they do do that in, in some time. Um, and uh, the other thing is, oh, when he was in college, he was embroiled in some controversy there where he had broken some things and had maybe allegedly stolen things from teammates that rubbed them the wrong way. And, you know, if he's a professional golf player now, you'd imagine he's one of the better players on his college team. Um, so that stuff typically would be swept under the rug, and it kind of was on the Masters Sunday broadcast. But then out of that, you people see, okay, why is Jim Nance not that happy? And then you start digging into these things, and it kind of raises this question, why don't we hear more about this, you know, on a broadcast like that, the way that we probably would hear about it if it were an NFL or MLB broadcast. You think about two years ago, the Patriots are about to win the game, and NBC got a lot of flack for this. They're about to win the game against Atlanta, and all of a sudden Chris Collinsworth brings back up Deflategate on their final drive of the season. Um, you know, But it is part of the story of that team. And maybe for the first time, Patrick Reed is an example of a golf player whose past has become part of his story when he's victorious, and that's not typically the case in golf, with a few exceptions. You, I mean, Tiger Woods is the most notable when, with his scandal a few years ago. Um, but typically, it's it's a more celebratory tone that you see coming out of something like the Masters. And with Patrick Reed, that was not the case. Very, it's very interesting, and you and you start to think about you know why is that the case? Why why do they speak more positively of players in golf, and why are people more willing to bring up the troubles and the issues that people have had? In other sports, you think about the NFL all the time. We're talking about, oh, this guy got suspended. MLB, this guy got suspended for PEDs, blah, 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 blah. Uh But in golf, we don't hear about it. And you got to think it has something to do with the nature of golf as more of a quote-unquote classy sport. You you, you go, you get, I was listening to Uncaged last night. Jake was joking about it again. You get yelled out. You get knocked out for saying dilly-dilly at the golf course. There's all these regulations to make golf more formal, feel more professional, feel more proper. And well, if I mean, you intertwine you, something like this, does it take that away? Or does yeah. it at least tarnish it a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a totally different vibe at Augusta National than Lincoln Financial Field, right? I mean, it wasn't until a few years ago that there were even female members of the golf club there at Augusta. I mean, to talk about something that's stuck in the past, but it's, it's like... It, it definitely could have that that tone where you know this guy's so good that yes he can play golf here but we are the class of the country we are Augusta National we're the masters we're not going to stoop down to you know talking about a DUI of a guy like you would in the NFL because there is this certain airiness and tone that's associated with the sport of golf based on kind of where it's played and the access it takes to play the sport and the type of people that play the sport um, and I don't see that changing, but it's, it's an interesting dynamic that um, maybe doesn't always get spotlighted. I mean, a lot of people, especially, um, I shouldn't say most recently, but the last massive scandal, I guess, is the Tiger Woods scandal in the golf world with all of this thing, these factors that you hear in the, like we said, the NFL that you don't hear in golf. And that kind of took the golf world by storm because they, one, weren't expecting somebody like Tiger Woods to be True. doing these issues. And two, it's like you said, it's golf. You hear about it all the time. You hear about the classiness of the sport. And when somebody has, well, and I also think that's kind of why it's different here because Tiger Woods was Tiger Woods at the time and Patrick Reed was 
not really as well known, but it's still yeah. coming to the forefront now that because he won the Masters, like we said, I never heard about anything that he's me, me done what we hear right now. So I think at, now that we have the Tiger Woods, the Patrick Reed, we have these issues, I don't think any more are going to be uh, brought up unless there's another winner. Like, uh, it kind of sounds bad, but when you look at the NFL, you, you. you hear the fourth string. I mean, I mean, Lucky Whitehead's probably a great example. Lucky Whitehead didn't even have a roster spot. He was playing on the practice squad, and he all of his f- f- quote-unquote felonies, which turned out he didn't do, were brought up. These golfers are playing in the Masters, and we don't hear anything about them. It's just a totally different societal thing and sport sporting event as a whole. You, you know, with can, can you see what the underlying theme is between all of this? What is it? I mean, there. Look at the uh, demograph of race. people that race. play football, and look at the demograph of people that play golf. Uh, there is a distinct difference between the. Uh, Demographs people that participate in those sports. You know, here, here's the thing. I, I was talking about this in my. We were having a conversation in my my culture class this morning. We we're talking about about the privilege of different people. We we're talking about talking about race and not. And so many people in the class were afraid to say anything. And eventually, the professor starts saying, "You know what? Were they white? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But you know what? I mean, I'm just. I, I, I'm not calling I, you no, out I know, one but bit. I, I tried to stay as politically no, I, I, correct. I wasn't, I no, wasn't, no, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just. It, I wasn't. I didn't mean anything yeah, no, by you for that. I'm just trying to stay as politically correct, which is why I think in the, uh, um, <laughs> which I'm interested. Like you finish about the class because I want to know how that ended. Well, this uh, to me, I don't know what the political correctness is here. I think it's important for us to have this kind of a conversation because in the class we're talking about segregation, et cetera. Not to go on a whole tangent here, but one of the girls in the class, she was black. She raised her hand and started talking about it, and nobody else wanted to say anything. Eventually, I raised my hand, and I said, you know what the problem is with all of this? None of the white people want to talk about the fact that this this is an issue. Uh-huh. That's why I asked or this, are they white. Yeah, and, and I have no issue talking about it because that's, how, that's what needs to happen. If the white people don't talk – again, I could go on and on and on and on. But anyways, to talk about it very plainly right now, in golf, when people have problems – you don't hear about it because the privilege is leading many of the people to say, you know what, it's not as important. But in football, all of these black players with these minor problems, the problems become highlighted. Whereas in golf, it's, hey, you know what, you get a second chance or in other sports, too. Not to lump it sure. all together, and, but this is a, a mass generalization. I don't think it's it's all <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think it's all race. I don't think it's well. We do it in this sport simply because most golfers are white and most football players are black because you could point to many examples of white football players having their dirty laundry aired out in public. Richie Incognito, for instance, he's mm-hmm. a white offensive lineman, mm-hmm. and he was in the public eye for a long time. Um, you can debate the merits of it if you want, but he was for something that um, you know was involved with his team organization, his bullying of Jonathan Martin, but it was an on-field performance. That being said, the connotation with which we discuss these problems, and I think the majority, I think some of the response comes out of race and these stereotypes of, well, this is a thuggish football player. Like, he's making millions of dollars. Why doesn't he get a ride home? Why is he having a DUI? I mean, some of that's justified, sure, but. You know, you put extra attention on that because you think he's not worthy of all the money he's making because he's somehow lesser than you versus the golfer who, like you said, Teddy, you say, oh, well, he messed up back then, but why shouldn't he get a chance here because he's a really good golfer and he's qualified and why do we need to talk about this? He's a golfer. You know, it's, it's that sort of thing where race is probably, in most cases, the, the underlying issue to that. But I wouldn't want to say clear cut we're doing this because these this group of people is mostly white and this group of people is mostly otherwise no it's just an it's a bias that is there that many people won't even recognize that is there but once you can recognize that it is and and can able to acknowledge how it contributes to things i mean just think about you know how many black players are there in golf not to get into this whole thing but right the golf has become a sport that a certain population it's always, always been a sport be about in. access you can't 
golf if you grew up in the inner city with one parent because it's cost so much money to have clubs and go to a country club, but you can play basketball. It's it's always about access. That's why they're all white players or players from Switzerland or wherever else they come from across the country, Spain, Finland. It's a, it's about access, socioeconomic situations. So again, this Patrick Reed story is talking about, you know, he's had these issues but we didn't talk about them during the Masters. Right, and it's not saying we should talk about them, but it's pointing out the hypocrisy be- compared to the way we talk about other players in other sports versus not talking about him. You know, it's not, it's not saying we should. You know, there's you can differ on whether we should simply talk about players' on-field performance or whether we need to talk about everything else that they do as a representative of that team outside of the field. That's a different discussion, but what people are pointing out with this Patrick Reed case is the way that we approach... Patrick Reed's situation differently than we approach situations in other sports and the hypocrisy between those two situ- those two approaches. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. Also, we should note an, a very, very good uncaged Did went you listen out. last night? I did uh... listen featuring WVUD's very own Nitty, the OG Nitty from Team Nitty Radio. So, Amit, who is OG, the OG Nitty, for those who don't know? So, I actually just found out that he is a former Delaware student. He's a Delaware alum, formerly from New York. So, this is why the show was great, because he had the New York aspect with Jake. Jake, also a fellow New Yorker. And he got the Delaware aspect with me. So, it was just a beautiful uh, marriage that we could just talk about anything as far as politics, sports, comedy. And the guy can just talk. So You don't have great. a Delaware accent. No, not Delaware accent, like a Delaware, like I'm from connection, Delaware. Connection, you mean? Connection, yeah. So the New York go. connection, Delaware sure, connection. Okay. Um, and nobody has a Delaware accent unless you go down south, you know, mm-hmm. the slower, lower. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was really fun. We talked about everything. And uh, put, there's a couple of trailers out if you want to get an idea of what the show is really about. So shout out to Brandon um, for pr- uh, producing it. And uh, me and Jake, Jake and I had a great time. We really did. If you need any, if you're waiting for a reason... To contribute to Radiothon. There's your reason right there. Uncaged. Crossover, Uncaged, yeah. Team Nitty Radio, which is on Sundays 1 to 3. Two of your favorite shows coming together for one. And it's only possible because of the equipment that we have um, that's able to put that out. Jake, does that mean we get to go on Team Nitty at some point? <laughs> I didn't ask, but it's kind of like, uh, I'm waiting for that card. Oh, waiting for that invite. Um, you guys better bring some energy I'm if in, you're going to go on I'm that in show. if you're in. I don't know. If, again, like you just said, Brandon, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I'm in physically. if you're in. That's all I'll say. Alright, Team Nitty OG, if you're listening, man. Honestly, we're the, ready. Honestly, the mic, the mics pop so much on that oh, show. Sorry about the, that. We finished, well, we and I, I, you, I looked, you stand up. You stand up that whole show. I looked at oh, it, and I was like, I'm at. We spiked. Uh, real quick, times. Teddy, your thoughts on blueberry mac and cheese? I think that it sounds disgusting, but I would try it. Really? <laughs> I'm out I, on it. You're out on it? I'm out. Nitty I mean, brought I, it up. Never heard of it. I actually, so there's a new mac and cheese place coming in on Main Street. Yeah. And what I, one of the things we I had to do. We need one of those. We need one of well, those. Well, it's funny you should say that because one of the things I was working on this afternoon was a story about it um, that you can read later this month. The I don't review? know when. Um, no, um, Delaware Today. But oh, anyway, crossover. I asked the, the lady kind of off of that who owns the store and is opening it in Newark if they have any fruit toppings. And she was almost repulsed. She was like, no, we don't do fruit. You hear that, we don't do fruit. You were right all along. Mac and cheese. Do they, do, they, do, they do pulled pork. They do bacon. They do crab. They do chicken. Whew, so those they, all they sound great. They don't do any apple or blueberry or whatever. It's, so how did Nitty find out about that? I don't know. We just have topics. We talk about buns, mad buns, and you just talk about things that are bad or really bad. I know. I was on the show two weeks ago. Yeah, I'm but saying, I'm saying <laughs> it was really bad. He's just, now he's I'm an saying, expert. I'm he's saying, an expert. He was oh, just oh, thinking oh, of, oh, we told oh, him oh. to think about really bad things or bad things. And but I'm saying, where did he find out about? Where oh, was that? I'll, no idea. I'll, I'll ask him how he thinks. We got to ask we'll get, him. We'll, we'll get back to you. Well, maybe another show with him. It's a good thir- 31, 32, 33 minutes. Keep it light. Crossover, uncaged, and uh, nitty from Team Nitty Radio at Sundays 1 to 3. Here on WVUD. So that was a very exciting episode of, of Uncaged, um, published last night. So feel free to give it a listen. We will transition now into Delaware men's basketball, announced on Monday, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday night, that uh, Ryan Daly, the sophomore, rising junior now, he played two years here at Delaware, hurt for a couple games this season, but th- he was the guy, he was the first recruit for Martin Inglesby, and then after the season, a few weeks after, he announces... I'm going to transfer. Brandon and I had crunched numbers in the past and projected that he would certainly, if he kept up the pace, 
become a top five all-time scorer in Delaware history. So first off, he transfers to St. Joe's. And I think to you, Amid, specifically, you told us immediately that that was no surprise to you. No, I think my initial thoughts on this is it seemed like he has great Philadelphia and Pennsylvania connections. And I guess home is where the heart is. So you can't really knock a guy for uh, going to his home state or, you know, playing with guys or coaches or, you know, being around people that he feels comfortable. So uh, all in all, good for him. Uh, I think he looks good in the crimson red. Competition gets a little more. You know, it's it's maybe I would say a step higher. Correct me if I'm wrong. Than the University of Delaware. So good for him. Maybe uh, hope in hopeful terms. I guess trying to propel his career. So uh, I'm not surprised at all. And uh, good for him. I wish him luck. This was probably the best situation when we talked about it on the show with all those other teams, the Nevadas of the world, the St. Bonaventures. This probably feels like one of the better fits out of those teams uh, because it is. Uh, a, a level better than uh, what the Blue Hens playing in competition wise, but it's not this Duke powerhouse squad that. So he is going to be able to get his minutes. He is going to be able to get to work with this team, not necessarily being the the superstar he was at Delaware, but he will definitely get his time and his minutes. So I agree that this this was a good fit for him, and of course we do wish him the best of luck there. I had the chance to sit down this morning with. Uh... Kevin Anderson, rising sophomore, Eric Carter, rising senior, and head coach Martin Ingles being talked to them about the reaction to Ryan Daly leaving and how the team is prepping to move on throughout the summer plans, etc. So first off, here's a clip from earlier today. Ingles be talking about his message to the team after Ryan Daly said that he was going to transfer. You know, that we needed to move on again, um, you know, as this program is being built and developed. Um, I want those guys to know that you know, everything's going to be OK. And then I love the group returning. And obviously with Ryan Allen and Kevin Anderson and and uh, the core group of guys that were a part of it this year, that um, we're going to move forward with the guys that are in this program and everything's going to be fine. I couldn't be more excited to coach that group. Mm-hmm. And that's something that now, he was. He was. Let me turn this off before that rolls on. But Eric Carter said something very similar. He said, "You know, this is a, an opportunity for us, and what are you going to do but be positive?" Taking that, I mean, it's it's clearly a big blow, but you have to mold it in the sense of this is our group, and what are we going to do? Yeah, that's what we talked about, you and I, Teddy, the day that his decision to transfer was first announced on that breaking podcast, which is still available if you want to give it a listen. Um, but shameless plug-in. There you go. Who cares? Uh, well, we, what we talked about toward the end of the show, as we tried to spin things forward to next season, was the approach of the team. And I said at the time, and I still believe it now, that even if internally, as one of the team's leaders, if you feel that you're not in the same position to be successful as you were before Daily left, you can't express that to your teammates. You have to still show confidence in the guys that you have left and show that you value who's still on the roster. And that's what Inglesby and what team leaders like Eric Carter will be doing now and over the course of the next few weeks as they get into their offseason program. And at some point, you have to tune that out of your memory and adjust to what you have left on the team, adjust everything you do offensively and defensively to the personnel that you have on this year's squad. Um, Because as much as you want to dwell on oh, what we could have been with Ryan Daly. At this point, there's no turning back from that. You're not going to get that guy back. Eric Carter speaking now specifically with reference to Ryan Allen and Kevin Anderson following Daly's departure. I mean, it's kind of flat out that Kev was um, probably the best rookie of the year before conferences started, and unfortunately he took a blow, and then Ryan Allen took it over and took it home. I think they would have been the top two rookie of the year candidates if – both healthy at the end of the year, but um, they're going to play huge roles. I think the freshmen coming in are going to give us lift, lifts. Ithiel's uh, really athletic and comes from a star program of Roselle Catholic from New Jersey, where I'm up by my way. And um, Maddie's, you know, six seven, aggressive, tall, lanky, so IQ and looking for them to come in and contribute right away. Find ways to get in, uh, learn the system early, and take it from there. And you were a young guy. Matt Verretto, he's talking about, he mentioned Matt, and Matt Verretto is who he's talking about. 6'7", just committed yesterday. 
to the Delaware program. And when I spoke to Inglesby about him, Inglesby said, you know, this is another one of those hard-nosed guys who's going to provide us some defensive depth. And another one of those, I think he called him a, quote, one of those 95 guys, guys just off of 95, the corridor that they always seem to be recruiting from. So That's a pretty general... That's like Maine to Miami. Huh? Yeah, but I think <laughs> it can be I, I, I mean, he's, he's talking PA, New Jersey. He's, yeah, he's yeah. talking your, your Delaware, PA, New Jersey, kind of straight up that sure. way. But we don't know a lot about this guy, but he's got the size and he's got the athleticism. You figure to pretty quickly, you would think, at least factor in at some point in the rotation, along with we mentioned Ethiel Horton and some of the freshmen that are going to be coming in since the load now is clearly on your Andersons and your Allens. Yeah, right now those are the two freshmen, Horton and Verretto. Uh They still have four scholarships available, and I don't know if you've talked you talked to him about this, Teddy, but I know in the past Inglesby's expressed an interest in bringing in a graduate transfer, a guy who would play one year but would be eligible to play right away. I don't know if they'll bring somebody like that in or if they'll still pull into the freshman market, but they still have a few spots to plug some holes for this team. I think they could use another guy in the backcourt, especially a point guard, because, yes, Kevin Anderson's going to carry the load, but looking at a backup, I don't see a secondary ball handler on the team. Uh, but as far as the front court goes, where Verretto will slide in, he gives you another option, gives you some more depth in case maybe Jacob Cushing or Kyrie Walker doesn't take the next step that you want them to. You can slide Verretto in and give another guy an opportunity as that 3-4 kind of wing tweener. Well, Inglesby talking about that kind of what he's going to be able to do with the team and how he's going to balance those freshmen with Kevin Anderson, Ryan Allen, etc. Yeah, I mean, I think with Eric Carter, I mean, I think he's the best big guy in our league. He's confident. He's gotten better each year in our basketball program. Him being uh, pos- us being positive and confident with him and having a great fifth year is really important. He's really taken a leadership role with the young guys. I think our group is, is extremely connected and together right now. And for Kevin Anderson and Ryan Allen, those guys have a chance to be the best young backcourt in our league. Uh, Ryan got unbelievable experience as a freshman this year Kevin did until the injury but you know those guys are chomping at the bit and I grabbed them after Ryan Daly left and I said hey more shots for you guys now you know these guys got to lead the charge and and they're very confident together they're connected they think we got a chance to be really good and um, you know other guys stepping up too Darian Bryan he's an older guy an experienced guy in our program um, and, and, and some opportunity for Jacob Cushing and Kyrie Walker. Ithiel Horton is a young guard that we have coming in from Roselle Catholic that will really complement uh, Ryan Allen and Kevin Anderson, a shot maker that can play on and off the ball. So I love the pieces that we have. I think it's our challenge as coaches to try to mix and match and put them together. And, hey, we're not a finished product. We're just going to kind of work every day and every week to get better and see where the dust settles. And that's kind of been my philosophy with our group. You know, It's a great opportunity for guys individually right now to get better as basketball players and then when we get healthy we get some time in July and early August to get out there and really kind of put in some Mm -hmm. of our concepts and our philosophy Mm -hmm. on both ends of the floor. Head coach Martin Inglesby really diving into the plans for the offseason. He said these first couple months is about rest, it's about time off. Also consider they only have six or seven of their 2018-2019 roster actually here right now. So you, you exclude the guys who are graduating, and then you include the guys who are coming in. You don't have half the team right now. I hate to say it, but is he kind of starting from scratch again? It, it's kind of what it feels like. I remember when he first got the job here. He's he he wanted to. He he said on our show two seasons ago. He was like, I don't want to look at any film. I don't really want to look two things too in deep. I want to go in with a fresh, non biased perspective. It kind of seems like he's on that. Obviously, he's seen some of these guys. He knows how Carter plays. He knows how Ryan Allen plays. But you mentioned Kevin Anderson. Um, technically, I know he's not going to be a rookie, but he, I mean, he's he, he's a freshman. He hasn't really played that much. So what do we, we get we from him? Ben Simmons. Yeah, I don't uh, want to get too much debate. into the rookie, sophomore, <laughs> freshman, whatever that means for you. But yeah, he's going to get really his first full season, hopefully. So I guess you kind of go in with that fresh perspective again when he got first got the job. And and we'll see what kind of bump Eric Carter makes junior to senior year. But I didn't want to let it slide there. Him, High him calling him the best big man in the CAA. Pump the brakes a little bit. He He's a quality player. And, and I think he'll be as important to this team as maybe anybody else they have. Uh, but you look at Nathan Knight from William & Mary, Devontae Kaycock, two, 
a year ago as a sophomore, led the NCAA in field goal percentage this year, 17.7 points a game for him. Even Tyler Sebring, a guy who can stretch the floor for Elon. There are a lot of other talented big guys in the league. Um, So high praise for Inglesby to give to Carter. I don't know if Carter's there yet, but it, that's the kind of growth that you're going to need from this team if they want to be competitive. And I'm glad you mentioned what Kevin Anderson could possibly bring this team and Inglesby talked about kind of what the younger guys, what they can fill in and do. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of pieces here. There's, there's just not a lot that you look at as already groomed and developed and you know what they are. Um, so that's both exciting to see what this team could become, but they're also very young and inexperienced to where you probably shouldn't set the expectations for them that high heading into next year. And one of those top players from this past season, CAA Rookie of the Year, Ryan Allen. Coach Inglesby did mention today, unprompted, that Ryan Allen did have shoulder surgery after the season ended. He should be back full recovery by the start of the season. But here's Coach Inglesby talking about what this injury came from and uh, why they decided to get the surgery done. Something that happened in the season? No, I think they believe it happened before he got here. There was a little uh, tear in his labrum in his right shoulder that he you saw him this year. He had it taped yeah. up and he managed it through the season. And he um, got shoulder surgery at the end of the end of the season. And, and we expect a full recovery and he'll be doing stuff in a couple months on the court and probably be cleared by the end of the summer or early fall. So he should be totally fine. Yeah. So I just go on asking there, you know, kind of talking about his status, but he, he should be totally good for the start of the season, but that surprised me, even though we did see him wearing that kind yeah. of, he had it uh, kind of lodged in for much of the season after games. That tape got significantly yeah. thicker and thicker by the end of the season. I can't, I can't say he pulled an Alshon Jeffrey, but um, yeah, good for him to kind of play through it, and I guess better for him to finally take care of that, because that is kind of one of those lingering uh, injuries that you can play with, but you really don't want to ex- affecting your long term. And just to wrap up, Inglesby talking again about Ryan Daly, trying to put a bow on this conversation that we've had over the last couple of weeks about, you know, when your top player decides to leave, what does that do for the team? And going back, you know, being that first recruit, how, what kind of impact did that have on Coach Inglesby? Thing looking back on it, you know, I got the job on a, on a Wednesday, and and Ryan Daly committed the next day. But we didn't go through the recruiting process with Ryan Daly. You know, it's not like we had developed a relationship over uh, weeks and months and, and invested a lot of time in him. He was an available guy when I got the job, which was extremely late in, in the recruiting game. We're fortunate to get him. And you know, we developed a great relationship with Ryan, really good rapport. He's a kid that I'm proud of, I think, really got better in our basketball program. Unfortunately, he didn't uh, want to stick it out and decide to be a part of what we're trying to build moving forward. But again, I, I love our group and the guys we have coming back, the pieces that we're adding, the development uh, individually and collectively as a group. So, um, you know, we got uh, a lot of excitement and a lot of talent in our program, and, and I'm excited to keep pressing on and finding a way with the guys that we have in the locker room. We know that there are other entities, including radio stations, that are asking for your financial help. When you are deciding who to donate to, please consider that WVUD doesn't just run satellite shows that you can hear a click or two down the dial. Did you know that, Brandon? Uh, well, now we, we do. Uh, we don't limit our broadcast. Oh, sorry, I didn't know. Tell me more. <laughs> okay, we don't limit our broadcast to one narrow topic or focus. For 50 years, WVUD has been the bastion of diversity, providing this area with music and talk that can't be heard elsewhere. But now it can. Tune in radio, so no matter where you are, you can listen. There's no excuse. We hope that you will consider making a Radiothon pledge. Help us reach our $50,000 goal by calling 302-831-2710 or go to WVUD.org. WVUD and WVUD HD1 Newark. It's time for Cage Rage.
You guys, did you guys see the two fights yesterday? Two guys charged the mound on in one day. I don't know if that's an MLB record, but uh, there was a Yankees-Red Sox game, and then there was a Mariners game, and we're just charging. Padres and Rockies as well. Padres and Rockies. Okay, so we're just charging the mound all over the place. I have been on records for saying that I do not like baseball or hockey because of these some certain unwritten rules and whatnot. Again, as obviously all, all out of joke. Of course, I love all sports, but come on now. Are you? This is just. This is. This is part of the game. It's normal, and I, I would love to hear anyone's argument. Oh, it's it's part of the game. It's you know you you're allowed to fight. You know I'm just protecting him. I'm protecting her. Whatever. That's all BS. I don't want to hear it. I mean, these guys are charging the mounds like animals. Like this is crazy. The one and 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 in the in the Red Sox game specifically, the guy threw behind him, and then he threw behind him. He threw behind him. He threw inside, and then he hit him. Three straight pitches where this is happening, and then I do not blame the Yankees individual for running out and trying to fight him. And I also love the first two guys coming out are a six seven. Aaron Judge and a 6'5", um, Carlos Stanton, because good luck with that. At least he's got his hitters on deck re- ready to mess somebody up. But again, this is this is wild, and I'm not even going to get into hockey, how that's actually physically allowed. But come on, this is not... I want to see baseball, and you're making baseball longer as it already is. There's already four-hour games. This is not helping. Uh, stop charging the mound. Start giving proper... proper um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, suspensions for this kind of thing happening it's bs yikes a real we open up a real one there anyways <laughs> on the conversation of baseball let me begin by acknowledging that now no one person is being targeted when i say this but there have been some conversations that i've had in recent days with at least four or five people in which people have said, hey, you know what? My baseball team has won 8, 9, 10, whatever games. Look at us. Or my team has won 1, 2, 3. Look at us. Meaning that the people, the teams who's, if you won a lot of games, maybe you saying, hey, look at us. We're great. We're great. We're great. And if you haven't won any, our season, we're in the dumps. We're doomed. My argument here is that it's way too early to make any kind of evaluation on the status of a team. We did a little bit of math yesterday, Brandon and I did, uh, yesterday around 5.30, 6 o'clock, and uh, you know what I found out? That 10 baseball games is equivalent in weight to one football game. When do we have an accurate representation of when how good a football team is? Maybe three, four, five weeks? Maybe. So you know what that means? We're talking end of May, mid-May, end of May. So all I'd like to say here is that for those teams that have really done well, Really? I'm serious. Congratulations. Like, I'm happy for that team. If your team hasn't done well and your team is supposed to be better, give it some time. Look at this. We just started the season. So my argument here is that I don't think it's right that people are reading too much into the baseball season. We've only played 10 games. Come on now. It's way too early. But you're okay with guys charging mounds? I don't even know if we should bother getting into that because <laughs> we shouldn't. because that I mean you I don't know how you'll win that that's that's a part of well, baseball. I, I really well, like your your football analogy and I'll get back to it. But I oh, just you're think just taking the easy way out. No, here. here's the thing though, though. I just think it's funny though because like as going back to the fighting in baseball, like that Boston Red Sox pitcher, he was nothing was going to happen to him if he hit the guy and everything just went normal. But the fact that the Yankees guy ran after him and initiated the fight, like they're both going to get in trouble now. And I think that's what the really funny, ridiculous part in baseball is. You could hit somebody in the head and then it should be like, all right, take your base. Everything's good. You just can't acknowledge that it's intentional. So like, let's say the guy didn't run out. Yeah. Reporter comes up to you after the game. I remember this happened with, I think it was Roy Halladay of the Phillies. He was protecting somebody. And he hits the next guy, and he goes with a big smile on his face. That one slipped. I mean, that's all you'd have to do to prevent. Yeah, I guess it's just the fight case. aspect. Now they're like, "Oh, we have to hand out suspension." Yeah. So, but I'm, if you're it's the, interesting. If you're the batter, it's, it's funny. If you're the to batter, me. guy throws. <clears throat> excuse me again. If you're the batter, guy throws behind you. You got to fight him. But amid you got to fight him. Amid somebody, I don't disagree with that. Brandon. I don't. <laughs> like he threw behind you. He's clearly throwing intentionally yeah, at you. He three, hits you the next three once, pitches. Once he to hits hit you. Him. The guy smacked the bat, and he's like, all right, I got to fight him. 
He didn't I'm, want to fight him. He had to fight him. <laughs> Amid, it's like I, I hate to call you up, but it's kind of you, you sound you sound a little ignorant with the argument because sure. because there are things that other people could point to to a sport such as baseball or or, or basketball. Yeah. somebody could point to things that happen on and off the court in basketball. I and call, say, I pointed out all the time say, though, and say that's really stupid. So I just be careful how you word that like, because like it's part. What would you like, like, like to? maybe like going. Maybe adding on to it, like if you're up 12 and going no, for a shot no, no, or no. something like the that. The first thing I thought of was on a foul shot when a specific player rebounds the ball and another player tries to take the ball out of said player's hands because they want to touch the ball and then it kind of just gets into a scuffle. That's I mean, the, that's, that's, that's the, equivalent that's the, to charging them out? Well, that's the whole fight thing I thought of because... That's you, really you, low you don't, scale. You don't low. Well, no, I, well, well, give me an example. Well, you're not, not going to okay. pull out brawls and baseball. I called everything out. Okay, you're not I kept it even. I, I bet you. I, I bet you somebody. However, you would classify yourself as a baseball fan, sure, which is somewhat of a fan. If ten is uh, uh, the the top baseball fan ever, and one is not a baseball fan, where would you put yourself? That's like five or six. Okay. If there's a five and basketball, you're eight, nine, or ten, right? Probably. Okay. Yeah. So if we take somebody who's a five or a six for basketball and an eight or nine for baseball they may look at all of these chatters technical fouls ejections and say well why don't they just play the game sure but and i've, I've called people think, out for technical fouls i think fouls. the difference though is that ahmed is criticizing the quote-unquote unwritten rules versus there's no unwritten rules in baseball you said it if a guy throws behind that's you, that's an unwritten him. rule though that's an unwritten rule versus technical fouls or flagrant fouls those being excessive or unnecessary as a written rule. Like a baseball fan who is more passionate a baseball fan than they are a basketball fan, they may have reasons why they don't like the NBA as much as they like baseball, and they might have reasons to criticize the NBA. But I think the difference is that Ahmed is pointing out these quote-unquote unwritten rules that are starting to, to – I wouldn't say it's an ignorant argument. I think it's an argument that's developing some steam. It's not – the popular argument, but I think among a lot of people, they're kind of ready for it to be eradicated from baseball because people have the potential to get hurt for really no reason at all. But if that fastball hits them in think, the head, they can get hurt I don't think there's too. an equivalent to that in basketball. Okay, well, I mean, leave the comparison, baseball and basketball, but if the, if the fastball hits him in the head, who long who knows how long he's out? So but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that's that's the argument to stop these unwritten to to say we need to stop this these extra games of throwing intentionally at guys and then storming the mound because it's dangerous there's just in no world where you can justify like throwing a like 100 if, mile if per Jose hour Bautista ball, hits a home run and he flips his bat up high in the air i have to people, throw 100 people, at your dome next are, at bat yeah people are arguing you shouldn't throw at him and the traditional way of baseball is saying well you showboated i'm going to throw at you or some other thing happened in the game and our team's mad at your team and we're going to throw at your best player and a lot of people would argue that's stupid you're going to hurt that guy for no reason if you don't want him to hit the home run and flip his bat throw better pitches don't <laughs> like, don't let him hit a home run yeah i don't know that's that's the other side so you, are you you're not arguing the charging the mound you're arguing the throwing the pitch at the person's head sure yeah because i've seen i it. can live with that sure i could live with that look I, I just i don't think there's any reason to fight in sports i'll put it that way i get the whole protecting you know your brother thing and brandon jokingly said it but there is some truth to it you throw it behind me twice i'm coming at you the next one but still i don't think you can justify and baseball specifically it that's a wooden ball with like a rubber core if you throw at someone's head at 100 miles per hour you are going to hurt that person i don't like i don't think if you like any other sport and let's not you know get specific with basketball hockey there's like nothing that you can justify and, that kind of like specific like pitch and like, I would we've say, seen people break a wrist because they've gotten high and tight and their wrist broke like I, it I, just happens a I lot i would say a lot of pitchers are cognizant of that and they will aim low when they are intentionally throwing at somebody sure um, yeah and i think batters also in some cases are more willing to just kind of accept getting hit low yeah. versus high. Like I remember in 2008, NLCS, Shane Victorino standing at the plate because they threw over his head twice, and he's pointing violently at his ribs, pointing at his ribs, and then pointing to his head and saying, not my head, and pointing to his ribs. Like, yeah. if you're going to intentionally hit me, don't hit me up high, hit me down low, like, if you have to send that message. But the... The, the modern baseball fan would say, we don't need to do these messages. And the classic baseball fan would say it's a part of the game. It's entertainment. It's, you know, you're, you're protecting your teammate and so forth. I mean, 
don't and I feel like I'm kind of overlaying a lot of the arguments that were conversation that we had so far, but this is in every sport. I don't I know we wanted to try to sway away from the uh, other sport comparisons, but in football, you have like you said, the idea of a a, a pitcher hitting a player because of outlying factors that happens in the NFL. You look at the Cincinnati Bengals, Vontaze Burfitt, he hit the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver. I don't think it was Martavis Bryant. I don't actually know who the Steelers wide receivers were. Was it Brown? It might have been Ant- it, Brown. It might have been Antonio yeah. Brown, and he hit him because of outlanding circumstances, and that can cause injury. Now, when you say for those who don't understand, because I'm one of them right now, when you're saying outlanding, like circ- baseball, what is the baseball's outlanding circumstance is you can throw behind one of the batters. You can go really close, like throw it. Like the reasons that baseball pitchers hit batters is not just because they step up and like I don't like your shoes. There are situations like on you Something can throw happened, two, like yeah, previously you can in throw the game too tight into them for whatever or, reason upset. When does in that this case, happen? In, when does that happen but, in so like, football? So let's say Antonio Brown like scored a touchdown and he does a dance in Burfoot's Vontaze face or something. Bur- his He's upset hit about it. On Antonio Brown was due to the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers I believe it was the left guard what had a late hit on the, one of the Bengals defenders. So that's kind of the same situation. So there was an like, outlanding circumstance and then Vontaze Burfoot acted like these pitchers do. I mean, when you look in basketball, while it's not as while it's not as extreme, if your player gets like hard hit or it's a little nasty, and you're a center, this is more considered dirty play. Not that all the rest of it isn't, but you have your players that are going to dunk on you a little harder, shove you a little harder underneath, yeah. to kind of be that because of these are outlanding circumstances. Well, like, let's I'm going like, to step up. Let's say LeBron dunks on somebody and knocks the guy to the ground, and he's like staring over him. Yeah, you're going to get if you're the teammate of the guy who's getting stared over. In some, like I would say it's your responsibility. Get over there. I'm not saying be violent toward LeBron, but get in there and step in between him. Tell yeah. LeBron that that's not okay. But the key word you just said, be violent. What is it? It's pushing, shoving, double no, technicals. I, I didn't say be violent. Then, I said no, no, I'm no, not no. encouraging that. But I'm saying you have saying. to step up and be the presence no, there. I'm not saying you have to fight LeBron in but, that circumstance. Exactly. I agree but you have you. to be in a situation. You have to be ready to if LeBron wants to fight you. You just said don't be violent, and but, that's what I'm saying. But, I agree with that. Football because, is violent. Basketball, the re, base, most baseball situations where the player gets hit is not violent. The player will walk down the First baseline what, and yell. Well, what definition is football violent? It's a contact sport. Well, baseball when, is not a contact when sport. When you get hit, like, you're not supposed to get hit like Vontaze Burfitt hit sure. Antonio Brown. You're right. not supposed to and get hit. And the Bengals, we should also mention, is like they're known for like perfect in the Bengals. But at the That's same like, time, the Red Sox and the Yankees are known to get well, into well, we scuffles. Like three fights. In, but here's the thing. That doesn't always happen in, ba- in, base, in basketball or football. It, uh, of, it happens sometimes, but it the, doesn't happen. But this base, happens a couple times a year, amid in baseball, in any sport, a couple times no, but a year. Baseball, baseball, if Mike Trout gets hit, in. if if Mike Trout gets hit in that same exact game, you will see a retaliation. That is, it's instant in baseball. It's not always instant. It's the and same it's in the NFL. Common. It's not common and instant in basketball, football. It's not. It's just. But in not. the NFL, when it happens, the benches don't clear. We don't stop exactly the game because. Yeah. We had two games but last hard, year. Right. Hardly I, ever. I, I, hardly I agree ever. it's less frequent. You just said two games in, in how much span. We just saw two games in a 24 hours last the, night. The, this, this is, is what I'm saying. This is an outlandish case for the MLB. Teddy said it. You see, what, you said like six? There's more than at, the other sports, but it's not. And, and you think, why does it happen? Why does it happen relatively more in baseball? Because in football, there's already hitting. So hitting on top of that doesn't seem doesn't seem as extreme. But if the, and there are some real and it's also I mean like you think about Cortland Finnegan versus Andre Johnson where they physically take yeah. the helmets off of one another like and throw punches. But yeah. but like when that does happen, it is heavily punished. Yes, there are some. I mean, they, got this, they just came out six games for uh, Joe Ke- Kelly the pitcher and five games for Austin. So there are some pitchers in baseball that are jerks. One that comes to mind is Hunter Strickland from the Giants. He he tends to come up, and that's something that that he, he he's he's always hunting, looking. Amid there are some that do that. Sure. The the caution, the the way to worry, to kind of phrase this argument is, if you're going to criticize it in one sport, it needs to be adequately also criticized in the others. Which I believe I do. Okay. Okay. I believe I do. Okay, so you're you're saying that, and 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 maybe the the don't you're not allowed to clear benches like maybe like basketball or football. Maybe that needs to be implemented. I don't know something along those lines because that is just all types of inappropriate. Where you got got guys from the bullpen running out 
And like, you know how dumb that looks when that's it takes you best thirty part. seconds. It is entertaining, to, though. That's the it's very entertaining. Well, they're not going to do anything. Don't get me wrong; it's very entertaining <laughs> when the catcher, l- the bullpen catcher, takes thirty I just seconds say, to get to home plate, and he's going to do absolutely nothing. But like, and then he's going to turn around and go back. Even like, if you, even what, if you like, have why? that rule, why? even if you put the rule in that benches sure. are not going to clear, I guarantee you benches are going to clear. You can say, "All right, that's you guys not are not." True. That's if, not true. If you say benches aren't going to clear and people are going to get into a fight, uh, there is no shot well, that both teams sit in the dugout if, and patiently sit and wait. If I say you're wait. suspended for twenty games, I guarantee you benches both are benches not going to clear. clear. You really think so? Yep. Well, the if, basketball if, rule works if your perfectly. Boy, if it's your like boys a, out there, like I don't know about that, you'll you'll be sure. If the I say you're have done for a quarter of the season, I guarantee you benches are not going to clear. It works beautifully in basketball. It's like an invisible electric fence. Guys will think about it, and they're like, "No, no, 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 I can't do it." You you watch basketball videos because it gets frisky there sometimes, and you see guys control themselves beautifully in football as well. You know, it's fifteen. It's only fifteen yards in football initially, so it's not even that bad. The guys will just control themselves. I guarantee you, if they did it, if I was to miss forty games in baseball. I guarantee you I'm not leaving the bench at all. You think about the issues that are in the sport of baseball, that may be one of the only ones. Yeah. So just to kind of tie this back, to throw it back together. The last few years, they've been doing a good job with the rules, I I believe, in in my opinion. You think about the leadership and, and the management of the league, Major League Baseball, some of the least issues in the sports. You just compare it to the NFL. There's a lot of other issues relatively that are far worse than this. Compared to the NFL, but it's not rainbows. When you think about what happened this offseason between the Players Association and the owners, and a lot of the Players Association thinking that the owners conspired to freeze out the free agent market and bring all of those contracts down. We'll see how labor relations unfold over the course of the next couple of years. Gameplay-wise, I think social-wise, they're it's in the best better. position. Mm-hmm. But there are some things, especially when you look at contracts and the way that they may be changing over the next course of the over the course of the next few years that will be interesting to keep an eye on. We're also beginning to redefine what a catch is in football and all of these things. Yeah. So if the, you, the NFL's it, got the biggest problems. Should, but, I, I agree. But just to compare here, you know, you can the game is you well can, defined. You can change a game in certain ways. So if that ever became something amid where people say, you know what, we really need to take this out of the game, look what they just did with the mound visits. Look what they did with the time clock. There are ways to change it. So sure. if that continues to escalate and really become something that people are concerned about, th- then then they, we've shown that, that you can make a deal with it. But it is a unique situation solely to baseball.